Yo, check us out. Chuck D, public enemy. Yo, what's up? This is DJ Yellow from the world's most dangerous group. What's up? This is DOC, the Diggy Diggy motherfucking doc. Yo, 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 what's up? This is your boy, Z, What up, dog? This is DJ. This is Jerry Heller, motherfucker. It's your boy, DJ Paul KOL for 36 Young Busy Bone. Vice One. This your man, Matt Minor Hell Razor. Yo, this is DJ Ready Red. What up, what up, what up? This is the real Rick Walls, and you listen to me on the Murder Master Music Show. I was 15 when I got my record deal. So that was like 89, 90. 
we're talking about. And uh, that's how I got my intro professionally into the game. That's we didn't amazing, get a chance man. to chop it up about that. Yeah, we didn't get a chance to chop it up about that last time. <laughs> no, no, because uh, you know th- this is this is historical because this is like the McCola days. Um, you know, what I'm saying this had to be uh, you know before you got your deal. I mean, when you were carrying around crates and stuff like that, you got to oh, see a lot of guys come up before days. you. Um, yeah, yeah, you, you got, know, Mixmaster Spade, DJ Pool, King T. Uh, Battle Cat, Bobcat, them the dudes the who put me on. Them the dudes who opened the yeah. doors for me, you know. Yeah. That's amazing. And I was, you know, I'm basically they, I'm basically their baby. I'm their youngin'. And then, you know, transition from there to Papa LQ when me and CJ Mack went over to the, you know, rap a lot. And that happened by way of Battle Cat because I was featured on Domino's first album. That came out on Outburst, which was the friend, two friends of mine who had that independent company, which was distributed by Def Jam at the time. So I was featured on there, and I ended up meeting Jay Prince, who owns Rap a Lot, and that's how the Rap a Lot situation evolved. Oh, that's amazing too, because uh, you know I, I remember, man, when you uh, uh, and CJ Mack came out, I got both of those records right around the same time. Um, you both have videos on, on uh, BET. Um, there was a lot of uh, you know buzz about it at that time, man. And then unfortunately, Seagram, you know, and Pac, uh, you know, get killed. That was a huge blow to the West Coast. Well, really, to the whole rap game, you know. Yeah, really, um, to the whole rap game. Seagram actually was the actual first West Coast artist on rap line. Then me, then CJ. Uh, when I first met Jay Prince, I didn't know who he was. I met him at the studio at Harry O Studio to be uh, to be exact because Battlecat was actually signed to Harry O and in a production agreement, and that's how I come to even meet Jay Prince to even do the. But Seagram was already signed first, and unfortunately he had you know unfortunate death. So then CJ and I albums came out, and that's how that evolved, and that's how that transpired with that situation. And we was basically when we all came, we was doing a rap a lot west. It was more than just, yeah. you know, we was going to do a whole West Coast division before things got a little complicated, you know. Yeah. The Seagram dying and all kind of other things, you know, uh, different distribution deals and so forth, executive things. You know, uh, you mentioned Harry O and uh, Bobcat. Uh, we just had Howard Johnson on the other day, too, from uh, Night Flight. And he, uh, he, he produced him with, uh, you know, Harry O's record label at that time. Um, he just got out the other day, you know, after all these Yeah, he just got out. Years. Uh, Battle Cat had actually called me, you know, when they was out in the parking lot waiting for him to be released. 30 years, man. Staying solid, you know. Been a hell of a journey That's for that, man. Made a lot of moves from behind there that a lot of people haven't even made, you know, with this uh, limited freedom that we have. <laughs> so the man is, a you know, above average thinker, move maker, definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, proof you can uh, uh, imprison the body but not the mind, you know. He, uh, yeah, he's the living. He's the living proof of that for sure. Yeah, made a lot of things happen. Uh, but you meet uh, Jay Prince, you know, after you've already you know uh, been rubbing elbows with all these cats of the West Coast, all these legendary guys. What was your first thought of uh, Jay Prince? Well, it was funny because see, I met him at the studio. So the next day he's like, "Let's go to Roscoe's." Which is a, a you know a, a breakfast like a restaurant here in Los Angeles, pretty popular. Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. He was like, let's meet up in the next day. So when he pulls up, he pulls up with Seagram in the car. Had no idea at the moment they even knew each other. So I'm like, hey, what's up, Seagram? I already knew Seagram meeting him through Pac and Shot G and Money beating him because when I did my first deal before the Rap a Lot situation, I went on tour with them guys and did a lot of shows. So I had our you know my you know, I'm right here in L. A. So. The California connection was already there, so I already knew Seagram. So I'm like, oh, what's up, Seagram? So then I'm like, okay, when we get to Roscoe's, in the middle of conversation, like a meet and greet, Jay Prince goes to the restaurant, and Seagram asks me, you know who that is? At this time, I didn't even know who it was. I was like, yeah, that's the A&R for Rapala. He was like, no, that's the owner. So I was like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So when I when – I, 
when I first met him, I thought he was an A&R rep. He hands me the card to say Jay Prince or Acolyte. It doesn't say CEO or nothing. It doesn't say a job title. It just says Jay Prince Raffalite. You know, so I was caught off guard, and then when I met him, you know, it was it was like bingo. We hit it off, man. And he's like, you know, he originally signed me just to be more than just an artist. You know, like I said, we was with the intention of building a whole division, a West Coast division of Rapala. That was the sole intention. Yeah, that that would have been huge, man, because uh, there was so much talent on the West that you guys could filter through there. Yeah. So when I met him, you know, when I found out who he was exactly, it was an honor. Very down to earth, you know what I'm saying, very fair businessman. You know, I had a great deal, you know what I'm saying. I had a, you know, and all those things didn't get a chance to blossom into what we had in mind, uh, the experience. You know, he took me to a lot of meetings, shared a lot of the inner workings of the company, a lot of inner workings of the music industry in total. You know, uh, taught me, you know, just a lot of things about it, how independent company works and the pros and the cons and the things you have to deal with. He, you know, he was basically training. So that situation, he paid me in knowledge and, and in experience, like, you know, overpaid me when you look at it that way. Yeah, absolutely. You're learning from one of the best. It'd be like somebody learning from Master P, you know, Bingo. Uh, ultimate hustler. Bingo. You know. Bingo. So I, that experience was like a college, it was like an education as well as I've got a chance to, you know, pursue my, you know, my goal and, and you know, build on my craft and, you know, and build my fan base and go to the south and reach out down there. So it was a very beneficial situation in, in this journey, you know, my artistic journey. Very beneficial for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, man, uh, I really love that album. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you're in the same in my reality. That, uh, I mean, classic. I mean, the production on it was just so sick. G Funk at its finest. Um, who did who did the majority of the production on it? Um, the pro- majority of the production was Mike Dean and No Joe. And of course, we know who Mike Dean is right now. Uh, you know, he's do a lot of production for uh, Kanye West and um, a few other people over there in that camp. And he's a you know he's a master engineer. And uh, I, I, he did majority of the album him and N.O. Joe, who was another phenomenal producer, and uh, Battle Cat and Bosco, you know, my guy from Portland. And because Bosco and I, you know, after the rap a lot situation, we went on to do a group together, him, Bosco, myself, and Cool Nuts, the DBA. So, but it was mainly led by Mike Dean and N.O. Joe. Legendary lineup. Yeah, DBA, yeah. yeah. We used to have uh, you guys up in the Murder Dog, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, Shout yeah, out to School Nuts, Murder too. Dog, and Murder Dog gave us 100% support, man. Appreciate it. You know, I end up going to the, doing the federal bid, and uh, I used to always get the Murder Dogs, man, and it was just like I end up reading myself the interview we did while I was incarcerated. It was kind of, you know, surreal for me. Wow. Yeah, was it at the time when we was giving away the free uh, subscriptions? Or? Yeah, yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep, I think yeah. that was like 2000. I went in 2000. I failed in 2000, yeah. That w- it got to the point where uh, they they quit uh, allowing it, you know what I'm saying, because it was filtering through, you know, everywhere. <laughs> you know, that, I oh, mean, that was a great strategy for <laughs> black dogs to do that, man. You man, know? that, was, the, that yeah. was brilliant. It was brilliant. It became, yeah, uh, uh, it eventually became like paraphernalia or something. But yeah, because it, it was, uh, you know, we didn't pull punches. You had guys on the cover with guns. We had, you know, chicks in the magazine and, you know, but it was real. Kept it you raw. Know, you kept, didn't filter kept it nothing. raw and authentic. Yeah. 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 You kept it raw and authentic. authentic. I mean, some people, you know, may have thought the content was racy and a little rough. I mean, we didn't complain because that's what we we wanted from it, but it was raw. It was no props. It was no bullshit. You know what I'm saying? The conversation was raw and authentic, unfiltered. I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's beautiful. It helped yeah. me out throughout the days when I was incarcerated. It helped me out <laughs> a lot. Now, you, you were in the feds. How long were you in the feds for? I ended up doing three. Yeah, oh. three and a half to be exact. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah. Minor minor was, setback minor setback for a major comeback. You know? I was gonna but it was ask definitely, you how you got through it. But I know the murder well, dog helped you know, a little. 
helped, murder dog helped a little bit, you know what I'm saying, and keeping my mind, you know, staying on my craft and, and keeping my mind, on, you know, on the things that I was going to do when I when I got home, you know. Unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, I had to sit down and, and uh, get that all the way together. You know, I, I was a little jaded. You know, I got a little jaded, had too many things going on at the time, and I ended up having to sit down. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't go back and change it. Though. Like I said, I needed that education as well as all the other ones. That was that yeah. was that was definitely paramount that I get that education. See, it's really in, uh, in life, you know. Exactly. Those are the best exactly. lessons of all. Exactly. No one will the teach you better life. than life. Yeah. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> you got That's that right. Real shit. That's why I said sometimes we got to fall back and let life teach us. We'll get it. That's that's yeah. one you definitely. That's a lesson you definitely keep with you. Oh yeah. Well, you can definitely sympathize with someone like a, a Harry O or a X-Rated or a Freeway Ricky. Um, you know what I'm saying? Them guys. I just interviewed Maxwell uh, Melvins of the Lifers Group. You remember them? Yeah, I remember the Lifers Group back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. They learned. They said what they said. They what their slogan was like: "Learn at the expense of our turmoil." I think they had a little slogan back there. They had that was a, a unique project back in the day. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. He uh he's still doing that stuff and scared straight and you know, um he dedicated his whole life to uh trying to help the youth. So you can't do nothing but commend him for that. Um You can't and he almost won a Grammy we need. believe it or not. You know? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, he, he you know he lost to Madonna. Wow. Okay, that's yeah. honor in itself. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he was actually nominated. They had him on a, a special with uh, Barbara Walters and stuff, and she was filming him, interviewing him while they were uh, announcing it because he couldn't go. He was still in prison. Because uh, he orchestrated that whole project from behind the wall. So that's an um, amazing thing. I wish they had more projects like that now, you know, because there's a lot of talent well, in there. It seemed like that with, and with the technology, you think you would think that we would have more projects like that now, wouldn't you? Yeah, Zoom and all this stuff, sending beats through the uh, email, and, you know, there's definitely uh, uh, a lot of stuff that that could happen if uh, the powers that be weren't so, well, crooked, fucked up. Well, if the focus was really on rehabilitation, maybe more tools such as, you know, things of that nature would be available. We know that the focus isn't really rehabilitation. It's bad space and dollars. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, big money. Yeah, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but uh, you know, tw- here we are in 2020. Um, you know, uh, 2021 actually. This pandemic. Um, you know, we've been suffering through it. Um, you know, what I'm saying it really fucks with people. Um, as far as you know, the music industry. You can't tour. You can't. Uh, there's a lot of stuff you can't do. You know, how do you compensate for that? Like, do you do any, like, virtual stuff or anything like that? Well, being that we're living the pandemic in real time, we're all, I think we're figuring that out now. You know, they got the verses and a lot of virtual things. You can step up writing. You know, you know, fortunate yeah. for, for artists, there's more than one revenue stream. You know, there's, there's multiple revenue streams to the music business. This is the time when you step your writing game up and you start writing for other artists. This is the time when you want to probably get into some commercials and some jingles. This is the time when you have to start being creative, creative with your creativity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it's, it's survival mode for all of us. You know, it's survival Adaption. mode for all of us. We do know, but we do know one thing: we're not about to turn the uh, music off. We're not about to stop uh, listening to music, right? So there is money to be made. It may not be as much, but we have to figure out how to suffice. And hopefully, you know what I'm saying, God willing, things slowly but surely return back to its normalcy. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's time to be frugal and and, and frugal with your, <laughs> with your money, with your coins, you know, keep your coins close to you. And, and, and you know, and don't play games with your survival because we really don't know what's ahead of us at this point. Like I say, we live in this in real time. Yeah. Yeah, 100% correct, man. You know, uh, last year, um, you know, when we lost Kobe and, and his daughter, you know, uh, that was like the, uh, such a shock to the system, and then it just went down from there as well. And it's like, what the fuck? 
And then 2021 starts, like, storm the Capitol. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, don't, and I, don't think, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think the uh, surprises are done. I don't think we're done with seeing, you know, some weird, I don't know, it's a lot of more weird activity ahead of us, I'm afraid. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kenny, going back, um, you said, uh, you know, your first project, you toured with Digital Underground. Uh, man, what was that like, you know, being on the road with uh, Shock G and and everybody? Man, those dudes are my big mentors, man. You know, we got to remember, I did my first deal at 15. By the time I signed in the ink dry and we finished recording, it came out when I was 16. I was a baby then. And them dudes showed me the ropes. I don't think no group has been on tour as long and as much as Digital Underground. Maybe Run DMC. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm being honest. Maybe Run DMC. And those dudes were like tour professionals, and they prepped me how to survive on the tour, how to stay healthy on tour, you know what I'm saying, what to watch out for, you know, how to you know make sure I don't miss no flights, how to perform, how to prep, how to do sound checks. They really taught me that hands-on. You know what I'm saying? And taught me other things about the business. And you know what I'm saying? I knew Pac back then and uh it was a good it was a good experience, man. I wouldn't I am glad that I had that my golden era experience. I, I I savor it, you know. So Pac Pac was a few years older than you. Um and what what was your impression of Pac at that time? Me and Pac was buddies, man. It's funny because he had altercation. You know, I'm from the Crenshaw district of uh, Los Angeles which was the same hood Nipsey was from, from, from out the rolling 60s. And he had gotten to a, a – him and Tretch had gotten to a little confrontation with some of my homies at the comedy thing down here in Hollywood. And uh, I seen Pac like the day after. <laughs> just what – you know, just how close he was. He was like, man, I think I got to do some homies. So I called him, and this is how real Pac was. Pac wanted to go over to the hood and talk to him. You know what I'm saying? Went and got some liquor, went and got some beer, some alcohol. Went up, stand, end up staying over there longer than I did. I was like, man, I'm going to the house. He stayed over there all night. You know what I'm saying? So I was, we was pretty close with him to trust me with that. And you know, we used to talk a lot. We had a lot of mutual friends. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I had, I got some older mentors or friends of my father's and my family that was friends with his mom and the Black Panther Party and other organizations such as that. So I I had a you know pretty a lot of interactions with Pac, and he was you know Pac every time <laughs> you know Pac Pac was you know multi multi dimensional being I'm just we gonna just say that you know yeah. never knew what you was gonna get definitely multi dimensional being very intelligent you know very intelligent articulate the whole thing sporadic uh, yeah <laughs> spontaneous <laughs> you, you're talking about spontaneous I was just interviewing Shorty B from the Dangerous Crew, and uh, they, uh, you know, the night that he did a song with uh, Too Short for the Cocktails album, uh, he picked up Pac, and he saw him, he was mad about some rims he got at this shop, and he threw a brick through the window, and then they went straight to the studio and knocked out that verse. He said he just sat there and wrote <laughs> it in like 10 minutes. Like it was yeah, nothing, dude, you know, like, like that, fuck, fuck this dealership, all right, let's go do this verse. Like it was nothing. Man, dude you know, was just, like that. Hey, dude was like that, man. And when it, uh, he can just work. Yeah. yeah. Work ethic. Anyone that was in the studio with that dude, they work ethic has definitely been inspired or it was affected by it. Because he didn't waste not a second in the studio, bro. Not a second. Utilize everything. Um, Every second. Man, you really got to rub elbows with a lot of people, man, and, and um, you know, uh, collaborate with different cats and over the years. Who were some of the, uh, your favorites that you got to work with? Mm, man, E-40 is definitely one of my favorites I got to work yeah. with. Um, you know, everyone knows we work with, but I love working with C.J. Mack, man. He, he's definitely fun to work with. I like working with Yuck Mouth a lot. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. As far as producers, my favorite, you know, I, I have a lot of my, you know, I have a, like a production home. I'm, I'm like a spoiled baby when it comes to producers. I'm surrounded by so many great ones. But, you know, Battle Cat always inspired me. He really inspired me as a youngster, too, as far as being cadence and timing and things of that nature. So it was always fun working with him because he always pulls the best out of me, you know? Yeah. Very uh, legendary. Yeah, and, yeah. Yuck, and as an MC, Yuck pushes makes me pushes the envelope 
too. You know, he really brings it out of me too when working with Yucky because he's he's vicious in the studio too. He he's another one. He don't waste no time in the studio. Go hard. He goes hard all goes all the time. He's very underrated too. Uh, I mean, people who know him know how dope of a lyricist he is, but I don't think like the industry recognizes him. You see all these guys with these lame lists, you know what I mean? And they always <laughs> leave a lot of people out. You know, it's like who's writing these fucking things? Well, yeah, I think we'll have to do more than a top top five. We might have to start doing a top ten. That top five is just not enough. The the, the game is too yeah. big for just five people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's oh, so many dynamics do, of fifty or a hundred hip hop easily. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we can, you know, what I'm saying so. There's so many different artists, man, man, so many different genres of hip hop. So that's a hard one to do. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Kenny Kingpin, let's go to the song, uh, and then we're gonna come back and chop it up. I'm gonna bring on my uh, homie Sim from France. I know he's got a couple questions for you. Uh, we got this first one, uh, always up. Why don't you uh, kind of intro this one for us, brothers? This is my new single. This is my current single. Video coming too soon, real soon. It's called Always Up, independent release. And check it out. We'll be Going right up. back. Don't go anywhere. Like all things, 
but it, it built a thick skin to be able to endure. You know what I'm saying? If you can't stand the test of time, that's the test of all tests, and you fail, you know, unless you're going to get wiped out, you know, and that's a whole other epidemic that we have going on nowadays. A lot of these young dudes you know, last. As soon as they get on, they get rubbed out, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. I, I've noticed that it's, it's, unfortunately, it's like a trend. It's, um... Yeah, it's you know, survival is more than know? just... Yes, you know, so, I mean, you know, being street, being in the street is knowing how to survive in the streets. Anybody can crash, you know what I'm saying, crash early, then you, you know, you defeated the purpose of what you're trying to accomplish and what you're trying to build, you know what I'm saying, it ain't about just, you know, being no crash dummy out here, man, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta survive, man, and be able to, and you know, receive the full fruits of your labor, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and who knows, too, what they're, uh, doing to these young artists, you know what I'm saying, they're giving them these shady deals where they can't really make money, um, you know, they can't really, uh, you know, go out and do shows or, or nothing, you know, uh, and a lot of them are perpetrating that they, they, they're getting money, but really they're not, you know. Yeah. Shady business, really shady. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, it's a real shady business, so I recommend Artists that remain independent, you know, yeah. research, to, you know, the legalities of the game. Don't just jump in the studio and look at all, all the fruits and rewards and all the spoils and all the, you know, cosmetics and all that, because that is distracting. And you can get all that if that's what you're looking for. All that shit come and go. You know what I'm saying? A lot of this stuff is not even it's counterfeit. It's not even real. You know what I'm saying? So you can get caught up in the illusions, you know what I'm saying, and all the trickery. And you know, not receive nothing at the end of the day, and that's a, that's a tragedy for that to happen. You know what I'm saying? Because this is at the end of the day, this is a transcend. You know, this is intrinsic value. You know, these things. You know, this is art. You know, you have a song that's worthless you did ten years ago, and all of a sudden, Nike went and used it in a commercial, and then the whole value chain changes. Then what? You know, yeah. if you didn't gave it away for a thousand dollars, so you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Gotta know what you're doing out here. Yeah, man, you gotta learn from uh, other artists that have been through it. And you know, like you said, you went on on the road with Digital Underground. They were kind of like schooling you on, you know, what, what to avoid and whatnot, and you know how to. Well, do see, things. I was blessed. I was blessed. I was blessed. See, I'm looking back, you know, in hindsight, when I was young, coming up, I had all these other dudes that was in the game. But you know it, it, the, the the business aspect of hip hop was new and different back then. They was they, we was getting shitted on, man. They didn't, man, most of the meetings I had with most of the older uh, music executives was like, you know, basically some of them would just tell me, man, this is not gonna be around. Oh man, you know, get what you can get, man. This is not. And it was a bastard art form and a bastard, you know, what I'm saying segment is, you know, so marginalized that you know most people didn't really see twenty years. We had some visionaries, but twenty years later, thirty years later. And you know we was just happy to be doing something we loved and being and being focused on creativity, and then bam, business, this corporate, this hip hop is not just hip hop no more. It's hip hop Inc. Watch out, lawyers, accountants. Uh, <laughs> figured out how to so, you dig know. claws into the game and really rape it financially. You know, bingo. You know that's when you know that's when tragic. capitalism kicks in. Yeah, as soon as it go corporate, oh. capitalism is a whole. It's another whole, another dynamic, you know, and a lot of people just wanted to focus on the craftsman and the creativity. They And I get it, you know, from an artist standpoint, because you don't want to taint that. You want to kind of protect that. And, if you, you know, the, it can bleed over, man. The business side of it will taint your creativity and make you just not have the passion no more. And, you you know, once you burn out and, and rob an artist's passion, you messing with, you know, that's, you, you're killing them. You're killing out the creative. You're killing the creativity. You're dimming it, the creativity right then and there. So it's a delicate thing because I know artists that like, you know, they. I don't want to say no names. I'm not trying to put people business because the lesson is not in the person's business. But big artists, but they were signed to a label and then they know no aspect of how to put a record out independently or themselves. They know they don't know how to service a record to any of the outlets that you know people go to for music. They don't know how to service the DJs. They don't know how to service press. They know nothing of those mechanics. All they know to do is go in there, write, and record, and hand it off to the team. So it's sad when you look at it from that aspect. 
Because yeah, any yeah. business that you're in, you should know how to do everything from the bottom to the top. You should know every aspect possible of the game that you're in. So you can play any position that's necessary. You know. Yeah, study it relentlessly. You know, exactly. Your future. Um, yeah. Here's uh, the homie Sim from France. I know he's going to go digging in the crates, man. He's the French Nardwar. <laughs> Sin, you there, That's brother? That's right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Sin. No, he's not there. He's uh, uh, having technical difficulties. Can you uh, help me? Wait, there yeah, we yeah, go. There I we go. Yeah, we got it's him. It's working. Yeah. We hear him. You hear me? Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Can you tell us about this? This song you did on the, your classic album, Your Entertainment of Mayor Reality, You Hated Me. And on this song, you got the, the Mike Dean and Joe, uh, John Biddle stuff uh, type of song. Can you tell us about this one and the vibe of the, of the song, Why You Hate Me? Uh, why You Hate Me? Well, yeah. Why You Hate Me, but when I did that song, was voted by, by you know, a lot of envy and jealousy that, you know, was not myself, not just myself, but other people in the, in the business, and it just comes with anyone. It can be an athlete. Once they rise, you know, some people will applaud and, and love to see that success, and some people will resent it. And I was saying, why hate me? I'm just trying to do the same thing you want to do, you know, live in progress. So that was the narrative of that song, you know, and that's what that's what the lyrics were inspired by. In Ojo, And Mike Dean produced that one. And yeah. the production on that was definitely prestige. Yeah, kind of has a, a gamble funk song, yes. Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. How you got the idea of the, of the cover of the very graphic and uh, at the same time political uh, of this album? It was it was dope idea behind. Yeah, classic cover. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your entertainment, my reality. You know, it, it, it is what it says. Um, you know, it's funny because I've seen some other albums that had similar titles later on down the line. And I was like, whoa. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like, you know, hey, you know, you know, I'm this is my soul I'm giving you. You know, this is this is my you know this is my reality. But you're looking at this and listening to this just as mere entertainment. But this is coming from personal experience and observation. Because see, at the end of the day, that's what kind of artist I am. I write strictly from personal experience and observation. That is my inspiration for my lyrics, for my poetry. You know, and if I can't draw from them places, then it'll be a problem. But naturally, I will always be able to draw from personal experience and observation. You know, so that's the that's the lens and 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 that's the fire behind me. You know, as far as anything that I write. Yeah, you see now a lot of covers. Who I'm known meeting now, and by the day you have this this tapa this tapa stuff was uh, in front in the in in your face graphics, you know I say. Yeah. So it's yeah <laughs> for sure. Uh, you got also a song about this album. It was Don't Blame Me. Can you tell us about this one? It was a dope one too. Yeah, Don't Blame Me was written from. At the time, see, that was like 95, 94, 95. And from my section of Los Angeles, there was a lot of gang activity going on. So it was a lot of, you know, violence. You know, it was the crack era. It was, you know, we was basically still in, in the mid, in, right in the middle of it. And, you know, I was watching how, you know, Dolores Tucker and what was going on with the whole censorship of rap at the time. You got to remember that era. And I was just looking how rappers were being blamed for what's going on in society in certain communities when these things were already terminating and already taking place in the inner cities before rap even hit mainstream. Before it became yeah. a mega major culture, these elements were already taking place in the inner cities across America. Poverty was already in existence. And not poverty, things come with poverty. You know what I'm saying? So I was saying, hey, don't blame me. I'm just a narrator, blaming on society, on all these things that's taking place. You know what I'm saying? I was born into this. I'm just writing and speaking about it. But how, I'm, how am I the fault? And what is an entertainer doing raising your kids anyway? <laughs> so that's what that was about. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, was doing, uh, you was doing South Central uh, 
South Central Soldier. At the same time, on the rap about uh, in '95, you got Manas Clown. Uh, at this time, in, was from South Central. How do you use uh, 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 song with us with, with them back in the day? with Manas Clown. I met Menace Clan. I met I met D uh Don Menace today he goes by Don Menace. I met him at the Good Life Project Blows. That was an open mic we used to have in South Central LA in the Crenshaw district. Some of the greats was there like Freestyle Fellowship, Volume Ten from Pistol Grip Pump, Far Side. They all we all used to go there and have open mic and I met Jam and D from Menace Clan. I'm the one who actually got them signed. To rap a lot. This is part of when I said when we did rap a lot, we was doing a division okay. of rap a lot called Rap a Lot West, and Menace Clan was a part of that. Yes, so I knew them from LA. Yes, sir. Real shit. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Thank you, Sim, for the uh, dope questions yeah. as always, man. Yeah, appreciate uh, it, bro. Uh, Peace out to all our you, people, uh, our friends, man. Oh, sorry. Yeah, take care, brother. Uh, I was going to ask you, uh, Kenny, why, why did you change the uh, Pop LQ name? Well, I was evolving. That's just a, a, a symbol of my evolving as an artist and as a person. You know, that was a chapter in my life. And, and, and uh, my, I grew, bro. You know, that's, that's it's nothing more than that. You know what I'm saying? I, it's like, you know, it's it's, it's all me. You know, sim- similar to the Holy Trinity, if you want to look at it in that aspect. And uh, you know, Kenny Kingpin E40 named me that. He, I basically caught that name in a di- uh, no, excuse me, a domino game with him and his cousin. And it rung a bell. And Kenny is my government name, so I decided to write under that. See, so for so long I was just writing under that. You know, I've been doing a lot of writing. I'm a real ghost writer. I'm not even going to tell you. And put the people out there, you know, if you look at the credits, you'll, you'll see that, oh, shit, he did write that. So, you know what I'm saying? So Kenny Kingpin was just, a, you know, a, a commemoration to my pen, my penmanship. And I decided to roll with that as an artist as I got older. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, wow, 40 gave you that name. You were blessed by Fonzarelli. That's dope. Yes, yeah, sir. See, LQ comes from my original name when I first entered the business at 15 as Laquan. Laquan is my Muslim name. And I rap about a lot of things that is not in in correlation with my Muslim faith. So I would like to keep the the two separate. I had made that decision. So that's what decision from leaving LQ and going on to the Kenny Kingpin. Dope. That's dope history right there. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, we got uh, been a hell of a a time talking to you. We got uh, another track I want to play it, then I want to come back. I want to give you the floor, Kenny. Uh, this one here is, uh, this one's a classic, man. It's called Let the Streets Tell It. Um, tell everybody about this one. This is a song called Let the Streets Tell It, and I wrote it inside Federal Prison, Terminal Item Federal Prison in San Pedro, California at the time. I was on a violation on a, uh, from supervised release. I violated smoking marijuana, had to go back and do 13 months. And um, uh-huh. I wrote that on the prison yard. You know, uh, some of those guys I speak of in this song was with me, and uh, I wrote it because I wanted to do a a audio uh, documentary on some of the guys I seen coming up in South Central LA and uh, in California. Period. That were uh, you know uh, guys who were who, who were uh, you know feeding their families by by any means necessary at the time, feeding off the streets. And these are, you know these guys were some heavy that I didn't really see on uh, documentaries that I would see on BET and uh, and other documentaries on YouTube. These guys, some of these guys wasn't mentioned, and I know they were major figures. So this was like my salute to them, my commemoration to the guys that I've seen that was providers. And, you know, regardless of what they were doing to to get their income, they were providing for their families and giving back to the community, a lot different from what's going on today. So this is a song called Let the Streets Tell Us. All right, all right, we'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. We got Kenny Kingpin. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? There's some major players out here that I grew up watching, man. Like Waterhead Bo, you know, Freeway Rick, the real Ricky Ross. Man, I'm just gonna pay homage right here. You check it out. They say Jim Bob told him Pat Pat got 10. Me and his brother T got 30 apiece. 
split still on the streets, and so is red and E. What? Black God and the feds may rest in peace. Big U home regulating the hood, but when Cheetah Rock was out, he was working with Suge. Suge was at a club and got knocked out on film by a barber off the east side, smaller than him. Some say he was drunk and he didn't see it coming, but huh? the boy got on YouTube, said he ain't running. Big can down in Lompoc, some say I, but I ain't seen no paperwork, so that's a gridlock. Hunch touchdown, he walked his off, back posted and watched like a big old ball. Lil' feet still on death row, fighting for his life. In fact, I'ma say a prayer for him tonight.
changed anything? Has it stopped the influx of drugs into America? Has locking who ended up with most of the time? What demographic ended up with most of the time? Are they at the top of the food chain or at the bottom of the food chain? Those type of things. That's the survivors of the war on drugs. Because you yourself yeah. were um, a victim of that bullshit too. Because you said earlier that you um, you went you had to go back because of, of marijuana, which is ridiculous. You know, in Illinois, yes. they're decriminalizing all that now. They're expunging cases and things of that nature. Are they doing that in Cali at all? Well, they, they've been done that already. We, you know, it's been here for years. We're the leaders in doing that. When they're doing it, they're doing it on a federal level now, which will be all the states. But my friend, my friend of mine, personal friend of mine, is Corvette. He had life for marijuana. He just got pardoned by Trump, so he's been home for about four days now. So we're still celebrating that right now, you know. So yeah, wow. so life part of speaking on marijuana. that, a part of being, yeah, he had life. He been in, he was in there for about four or five years. And he was doing a life sentence. He got sentenced to life for the transportation of marijuana, no violence attached to or anything to his case. They gave him life. But luckily, and alhamdulillah, you know, that he was pardoned by Donald Trump, of all people. Yeah, him and, and uh, Harry. Oh, uh, man. Um, yeah. It was amazing. A lot of people, though, Luha. Were, uh, I was really hoping he would he would have pardoned C. Murder and Mac as well. Um well, I, I don't think he was. I don't think it was. It's over state. See, I think C. Murder is in the state. Then his case, his case is a state case. Yes, yeah, so it was federal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, to be away that long. You know, uh, X-rated recently got out a couple years ago. Yeah, he's down for about yeah, twenty-five plus. years, I think. Uh, maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, yeah, I think a little bit longer than that. Man, well, I'll tell you what, uh, man. Thanks again, and uh, when you drop in the spring, man, let's bring you back on, man. We'll play a couple songs off of it and chop it up about the movie. Man, you know, me, me, and you locked in, bro. You can all we can we can always do this. I love chopping it up with you, man. So we locked in. You get the heads up and let's do it. I'm open. Man, that's what I'm talking about. You have a good one, Kenny. Likewise, one. Yeah.